0: I'm Riley. And I'm Taylor. Welcome to Happy Hour Film Club, a podcast where we talk about movies over cocktails. Our theme today is Winter Olympics.
1: As per usual, we do try to avoid major spoilers, but sometimes they happen. So we're gonna discuss the films, but we try really hard to talk about them in a way that is both entertaining and leaves you still wanting to watch.
0: So our theme today is Winter Olympics. I for one love the Winter Olympics and I watched the heck out of the ones in Beijing recently. So did you get a chance to watch them at all really?
1: I completely missed them, which mm-hmm. is such a bummer cuz I also I enjoy the Winter Olympics. I caught the a little bit of them at the bar actually. Oh. They have the cuz it's not I go I frequent a place that is I think technically a sports bar because that's what they have on the TVs a lot of the time. Doesn't really feel like a sports bar though. They had a lot of the Olympics playing anytime I would go in, but I didn't get to see like a whole event. So I mm-hmm. wish I had made the time for it. I actually didn't even see the opening, which I usually try to watch even after the fact. So. Oh right. But that's okay. I think yeah. I'll go back and watch it. The at least the opening of it. I did go ahead and look at some of the scores just to see how. How things went um which is interesting
0: yeah i think as usual norway dominated um mm-hmm. uh, canada you know,
1: classic canadians i tell you
0: those northern countries. those
1: snowbirds
0: <laughs> uh do you have a favorite winter sport that you like watching
1: oh gosh i really like um the the women's skiing i think that's really oh. cool um and then I also really like um the figure skating I enjoy that too it's just I think the figure skaters make it look so effortless yeah and the skiers too that's the thing it's like all of these crazy athletic performers that, that just have like it's like when you're watching a workout video and you're like oh my gosh my body does not look like their body the way that they're moving it you know it's like they just no, And after years and years of practice, they just have this, like, grace about them that is yeah. so cool to see.
0: Yeah. And it's just these people just practice, practice, practice. And it's muscle memory and everything else. But I really like um, men's figure skating and pairs. And I actually really enjoy ice dancing, too. Because it's like the ballroom dancing. mm mm-hmm. Um So I watched quite a bit of that. And... I like snowboarding. Yeah. Yeah, like the half pipes, always really fun to watch. Mm -hmm. And like the slopestyle or freestyle um, snowboarding.
1: Snowboarding. Mm -hmm. I think snowboarding is one of those that's just kind of a cool sport too. you know, it's like surfing or anything else that's kind of, I don't know, you have, if you know somebody that snowboards, they're kind of a bro about it, but they have, they've earned it because snowboarding is super hard to do. And it does look cool as heck when you're like, ooh, yeah, I'm just, like, surfing down the snow, making it look effortless, and, like, doing all these cool tricks and stuff. hmm It's
0: pretty neat. Yeah. I know curling's popular, but I personally don't really enjoy watching it. It's not that exciting to me.
1: You know there's a place close by where you can go curling? Uh, yeah, I did see that, yeah. Uh-huh. I kind of want to try it. I feel like it'd be very hard because just the walking on ice part would be difficult and then you add the curling to it and it just sounds like it'd be a mess of people falling over themselves but I guess that's kind of the part of the joy of it yeah (laughs) I don't know when I go ice skating I'm not like yes my I'm gonna stay up and look like a I don't know
0: a delicate flower gliding across the ice. Uh, no, that's true. I do enjoy ice skating. I'm not very good at it, but right. I also don't get to do it often. Like, right. there are a lot of ice skating facilities around here. hmm And it kind of becomes a chore. You know, there's an outdoor one kind of nearby, but then it's like, okay, let's all get bundled up and go ice skating. Like, sometimes it just...
1: Which, it has some charm if you go to, like, Millennium Park or something in Chicago, that's oh. where that is, right? They have the outdoor rink there. And that's fun to watch. I go, I've gone a couple times and seen people skating, but there are so many people down there oh. and it's not a very big rink. So that's then right. you're just falling. Like, I feel like you'd be running into people mm-hmm. and that would kind of stress me out. Yeah. But it's a kind of a beautiful place to do it. Whereas everywhere around here, like there's not an ice rink in the Midwest that is... Does not smell like feet mm. and old
0: cheese. Mm. <laughs> it is just. <laughs> I haven't been to an indoor ice skating rink in a very long time. The ones I've been to recently, like in my adult life, mm-hmm. have all been outdoors. Mm. So I guess like maybe when you're in putting your skates on, it can kind of smell. But it's to me, it's no different than like bowling. Like when you go bowling and you have to touch the Bowling balls that everyone else has touched and like wear the shoes that everyone else has worn. It's kind of like ooh, this feels unsanitary.
1: Yeah, and I it don't... does
0: smell. I don't know, like bowling alleys. Oh, of course, I don't. Yeah. I don't enjoy bowling alleys.
1: See, I love. I in comparison, <laughs> I love a good bowling alley because I also expect it to be like dingy and gross, and I feel like that's. I don't know. I find some charm. It's that's like if you your feel. if your feet don't stick to the carpet, then it's not a good bowling alley. You know, it hasn't been. <laughs> it hasn't stood the test of time as as its fellow bowling alleys have.
0: Yeah, I feel like brand new bowling alleys just don't exist. They're no. usually ancient and just coated in nicotine stains and beer stains, and that's just mm-hmm. that's just the vibe. But maybe that's like a midwestern thing.
1: Oh, what charm.
0: Very charming. <laughs> um, I will say, just as a fun little fact, because we were talking about, like, skating parks mm. and how they're not, depending on where you live, you might not have access to them. There was a men's figure skate skater at the Beijing Olympics from Mexico, and he, I'm pretty sure they said he was the first Mexican uh, figure skater to qualify to mm-hmm. compete at the Winter Olympics. And he was great. He was so much fun to watch. And they said he trained at a mall. Like a like a nice skating or a yeah, a skating rink at a mall. Like somewhere in Mexico. Just, you know, in public. And that's where he, he practiced and trained.
1: That is so cool. Which ties into your move you picked this time really well, I think. It mm-hmm. just you know, it's kind of like that despite your environment, and despite, you know, the odds that are against you, you can still find creative ways. I think, especially when we're looking at sports or sports movies, I always really, I love sports movies, you know, because there's just this, there's, there's people overcoming the odds, you know, whether it's an underdog film, or it's, you know, about one particular person, there's always some kind of challenge that they're facing, and it takes, you know, a lot of determination and creativity. They always make me cry, (laughs) you know. But, like, there are real-life stories like that, and I think that's why they're so inspiring And people love sports movies is because they reflect real people doing just the same thing, you know.
0: Yeah, I think Defying the Odds is definitely a hallmark of the sports movie. Right. And if it's based on a true story, even better.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And you know, I think it's cool too to see the creativity that comes from, um, not just Olympic athletes, but I think all over the world, there are these sports that get created because of where they live, right? Right. Like, you know, the way that they're playing a game or a new sort of sport that is developed because they don't have access or the terrain or whatever, insert the, the reason here, but you get some really, really interesting stuff from that, you know, just the way that people play. And that's fun too because as adults, I don't think we ever get the opportunity. We don't give ourselves often the opportunity to just play mm-hmm. and, and like, have fun playing. That's something that's reserved for for kids, you know. So when you see these Olympians performing, I think we also – there's, like, this inner child that gets sparked, too, Mm because you see someone playing and they're enjoying it. Yeah. You know, it is a competition and it's intense. And clearly there's a lot of training. I mean, there's a difference between playing, you know, horse in someone's driveway for fun and, you know, being on, what is it, NBA? That's basketball, right?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Being in the NBA. Yeah. Right? So...
0: And I think for a lot of people, you know, sports is something you do in your youth, you know, whether it's high school varsity or playground, you know, sports, just uh, informal play. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I think definitely when you watch sports, whether the Olympics or a movie, you do think about that. And a lot of these athletes are young, you know, they're in their Mm -hmm. early 20s and some are very even younger than that. But I did like, in terms of having, like, access to certain, like, equipment and, um, facilities, because uh, that does play into the movie that I chose, um, I was watching the slope-style, uh, snowboarding, and the commentators were saying that, uh, the only safe way to test some of these crazy tricks and rotations that these snowboarders do in the air is to have, like, a big airbag, like, a big inflatable pad that they can land on so they'll Mm, mm -hmm. they'll you know slope up and then they'll do their rotations and then they'll land safely on this big airbag Mm -hmm. and not every snowboarder has access to one of those because they're really expensive or only available if you live in a certain place but one of the snowboarders was from like I don't know, Australia or New Zealand, which there is snowboarding in those countries. But I guess they said that his granddad like made him an airbag, like a homemade one. And the commentators are like, we're trying to think of like what a homemade one would look like.
1: <laughs> I imagine one of those, you know, when you're uh, you were a kid, I think they did this in like PE and stuff, but you would have one of those big tents. Like, oh. all the kids would line up, in a, or get in a circle, and you'd all have a corner of the tent. Yeah, and, you and would... you'd... bring it up in the air, and then you'd, like, all run underneath and, like, tuck it down, and so you'd be underneath this big, colorful tent. Yeah. I'm imagining that. Yeah. But sewn
0: together. <laughs> yeah. I imagine, like, the blob, like, how they have at summer camps. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's in the movie, like, Heavyweights or something, and it's just this... And they call it the blob, and one kid is at, the, at one end, and then the other kid's at the other, and they jump... And another kid gets catapulted into the lake. Mm hmm. So, uh, sports. <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, what movie did you choose, really? Uh,
1: so, I chose Blades of Glory for this week. Um, so, I'll be talking about that. And what was your pick? I chose Cool Runnings. Cool. All right, well, before we jump into those, let's get some cocktails. Welcome back to the podcast, Nick. Thanks so much for joining us yet again with another delicious cocktail. Tell us what you have
2: for us. Yeah, hello. Uh, So, today, in honor of a very wintry, but yet kind of tropical collection of films you got there, um, I decided to go with a cocktail called Silver Slopes. Uh, This uses uh, some blue Curacao, which uh i normally don't make cocktails with this it's not my favorite thing in the world to do but it makes it kind of fun and kind of like gives it that blue kind of wintery vibe to it so uh for this drink we um it is uh one and a half ounces of rum uh one ounce of blue Curacao. um I used uh, some orange bitters, but you can you know sub in some orange juice if you need to. Um, one ounce or half ounce of freshly squeezed uh, lemon juice, and then some ice to shake it all up, and then we topped it all off with some prosecco. Oh.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I was wondering what I was tasting. I was very yeah, mi- me too. I was
2: very mysterious about like I-, I asked around if we had prosecco and. Didn't really say why, but this is why. You top it all off with some Prosecco to give it a little... Because by itself, it's, like, very... Blue Curacao makes everything, like, very, like, heavy and mm. ki- kind of syrupy. Hmm. So you have to, like, thin it out with something. And yeah. so, yeah, you, we we decided to go with some Prosecco for this.
1: Yeah, honestly, all I'm tasting is the prosecco. Me too. Yeah. yeah, which I like. It's just kind of like drinking blue wine, which I'm
0: <laughs> Romulan not mad at me. Um,
2: that's the, So, so I would consider this. I would call this a pretty cocktail because I think it looks nice and like it has a cool presentation. But honestly, like, not my favorite. I mean, yeah. it's not bad. It's not the worst thing. Uh, made I think the martini is kind of up there. Okay, (laughs) the the martini was it's
0: not that it was a bad drink. It was just that we did it wasn't I think collectively I I think collectively
2: we did not like the Vesper martini overall. But
1: I just think Vesper martinis I think martinis in general are not on my yes I'm gonna ever order
0: this again list. (laughs) Agreed, yeah. I'm not James Bond um that's just i'm not a martini girl it's just fine
1: yeah. i have no nothing to prove maybe maybe <laughs> in our 80s we're eating cold hot dogs and sipping on vodka martinis that that uh, could be that could
0: be our future Who it's knows, chips but... and salsa and margaritas for me for life i'm <laughs> going to be that old lady yeah I think I'm probably headed down that same track
1: but what were we saying okay when Nick first sat these down Taylor you came up with the name and I completely forgot about it what's the what's the liquor that kinky oh,
0: oh kinky yeah. Yeah, okay it looks like blue kinky yeah, yeah when really you set it
1: down I was like oh. Is this just blue kinky on ice? I, mean,
2: on ice, I could have. Yeah. I, I should have just done is that. Is kinky
0: like a mixed thing or is it a liqueur or do you just drink it straight? It's I'm a not, liqueur. Not familiar with well, <laughs> kinky. You drink it, it straight. You drink
2: it straight. You do. You don't Yeah, okay. you just serve it over ice. Oh,
0: okay. Yeah, it looks like kinky. I also kind of thought it looked like uh, windshield wiper fluid. Um, it's very it's very blue. Sure. Spray some Windex. But now solid. that I thought about it, I th- I'm just going to go with Romulan nail. Mm. It's
2: it's the blue from like being up north. It's like the minus 20 fluid.
0: Yeah, that's what it looks yeah. that's what it looks like it does
2: really look
1: like it. Um
0: yeah. so,
1: yeah. I love that. It also looks like the same color as those uh cold packs. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the gel in the cold
2: packs.
1: <laughs> yeah, like the igloo. <laughs> icy pack okay <laughs> if we don't make it to the end it's because nick poisoned us with some <laughs> chemical, fluid yeah. that we're not
2: supposed to <laughs> ingest this has just become a true crime podcast uh, now. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well you're not doing a very good job of covering your tracks nope. <laughs> actually i really like this i i know that you're saying it's not your favorite but i don't think it's it's probably not the most complex.
2: It's not bad. It's not a bad cocktail at all because it's. It's. I. I personally just don't like blue curacao mm-hmm. at all in my drinks because mm. I've. I've played around with it a few times now because there's actually a really fun recipe for. Remember the high c when we were kids, and it was the Ecto Cooler, it was Mm -hmm. the the Ghostbusters one, Mm -hmm. they have a recipe for, to make, like, a boozy version of that, and,
1: and it uses the, and it blue,
2: uses the blue carousel to help turn it green, green. like, with the orange juice, like, you use, like, tangerine juice, and between that, because that's what it is, it's, like, tangerine, like, tang, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but it's just dyed green
1: oh gosh
2: so so oh. that's what it is but, um, get
1: just some snot water going on there it uh, wasn't the most successful experiment so maybe we
2: might we, we might revisit that one oh, gosh. I think I could do better
0: the uh, <laughs> he squeezed so many tangerines, it filled like a squeezy bottle mm-hmm. and then it just got left in the refrigerator and it like molded
2: oh. <laughs> I mean, yes, that did happen. I I think,
0: well, because the lemon (laughs) juice and the lime juice will keep for a really long time Mm -hmm. in the squeezy bottles. But for some reason, that tangerine juice, like the squeezed, fresh squeezed tangerine juice did not keep. Oh, my gosh. Um...
2: I love that that's, that's the fact, and, and Riley just looks so disgusted right now. <laughs> No, because I, I'm <laughs> more
1: upset for you that you went through all of that work to squeeze all of these oranges, because I have totally done, the, like, I'm going to make fresh juice, and then I get through three oranges or whatever it is I'm using. It is, is labor-intensive labor yeah. and frustrating. It's like, no... No. Well,
2: I right yeah, now, now. Now I have a better system because we have actually, like, a pressed citrus mm. squeezer. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. like, the labor of doing that's not as, we like, a We have dedicated intense. tools now. We have dedicated <laughs> tools. We've upgraded. Yeah.
1: Because <laughs> you were so frustrated at the mm-hmm. end of your last endeavor.
2: It's true. It was the worst. Oh, my
1: goodness. Well, I mean, this seems to be much... More successful so far. I mean, because I think what I like about this is it's really fresh and easy to drink. I think that I could probably sit down and have a lot of de- these and not realize how much I'm drinking, which is my kind of drink. Yeah. So mm-hmm. and, it, and it's not super sweet. this no,
2: is not, not very sweet no. at all, which no, I like. It's very. It's it's always very interesting because you know there's rum in it, there's the prosecco in it, and then the blue curacao is like twenty four percent alcohol really yeah that's
1: surprising so this is a very boozy drink but it does not taste boozy it doesn't taste boozy at all
2: no that's the scary part (laughs) that is that is
1: pretty scary yeah yeah i didn't realize how much liquor was in there okay well it's like a blue long island kind of
0: i prefer (laughs) that this over a long island i mean honestly if i was at the winter olympics i would drink this i mean
2: this feels like a send me
0: to one of those fancy ice hotels and give me a glass of this so
2: (laughs) so fun fact
0: an ice straw perhaps coming out (laughs) of it in your ice ice cup some dry ice like off uh, the top smoking smoking off so
2: fun fact about this this Olympics so in the I think it was in the media tent of uh, the Beijing Olympics they had a robot bartender that Was there serving drinks <gasps> in a guaranteed drinks in 90 seconds or less? What yeah. was
0: the robot also making the drinks? Yeah, it don't...
2: was that. <laughs> no, nope, Fuses. Just... I thought I just
0: imagined like the RTD2, like, sir, he was serving the, the robots, were serving the just drinks. had the platter. No, yeah. he,
2: was, he was truly bartending. <laughs> he was just,
1: I know, they just run really fast. <laughs> 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 oh, my gosh. 90 seconds. 90 seconds. I wonder, okay, bear with me, but you know, like, how Inspector Gadget has all the different, like, additions or whatever, like, tools yeah. of like, out of his, like, everything? I wonder <laughs> if the robot just has, like, all of the different, like, it has, like, a shaker for an arm and, like, a... <laughs>
2: <laughs> I really like, hope so. There's video. I didn't see the video, but I know that there's like it will like move around. It basically has like a circumference of stuff that it, like
1: oh my works God. with. Or or if it just has like a lot of arms, so it could yeah, be, like, just shaking think, like, multiples all yeah, at once. Yeah, I think like
2: duck off just making
0: drinks and like bartending. Yeah.
2: I wish it was Ooh. just like a flare bartender. Just be like throwing drinks everywhere and like shaking <laughs> stuff up. Oh
0: Doing gosh. like the row shot Yeah, like, exactly. Drink
2: up.
0: <laughs> And this was for the media tent, not the athletes.
2: No, who who cares about the athletes, (laughs) let's be honest.
0: The the athletes don't get robot bartenders. It's all about NBC. Well, NBC wasn't actually, Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. I know.
2: Mm -hmm. But yeah.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, That's so interesting. I wonder if they do, do
1: shot skis. I feel like you would have to. Oh, oh it's not the Winter Olympics without yes. shot ski, right? I mean, exactly. they do. They
2: they just do it off of skis, so like literal, skis. yeah, literal skis. S- they don't yeah. have like a. Night...
1: There's a challenge yeah. to it.
2: Yeah, they don't have a handy holder but, <laughs> like like normal shot skis. No, oh, they're
0: they're goodness. not treated
1: that well. I yeah. mean, mm-hmm. it is just the media tint.
2: It's true. So,
0: so interesting. <laughs>
2: Yeah, go look it up. That's
0: on my bucket list now. I, I want to go to a robot bar.
2: So, <laughs> weirdly enough, uh, they, they also have um, a, a Keurig-like um, no. items for, for cocktails now. Like, they have, like, you can buy, like, a little box. And, like a like, pod. Yeah, but you buy, um, like, a Keurig-like machine. And it can dispense like cocktails and stuff oh, for people. Oh,
0: yeah, I've heard of that. I think you've told me like about that. Like premix, kind of, kind of plug just, it in. So as it goes.
2: instead of like wa- like water reservoirs, like you have your Keurig, mm-hmm. you have different like alcohols. So you mm-hmm. can have like your gins and your whiskeys and your tequilas and saying hi. Um, oh,
1: she wants to drink too.
2: <laughs> it's true. <laughs> no, you won't. Not too um, And you can load in a pod that has, like, more of the flavorings for stuff. So, like, a rum and coke. Mm-hmm. It would have a pod that would be more, like, coke-flavored stuff, and it would dispense it with rum. Hmm. And then you can have a rum and coke. So far, it is, from what I've heard, it is awful. Yeah. Yeah, so that, that sounds that really bad. So that sounds bad. there's part of me that's like, I don't know how a robot... Bartender would work, but...
1: See, I think a robot bartender would be fine. I mean, but I think anytime you're using, like, synthetic Mm -hmm. anything, right? I mean, because K-Cups, I don't... I got a Keurig before I went to college, and it was they were just gross. I mean, yeah. you'd get, you would get the little French vanilla things or even just the black coffee just tasted weird yeah. and yeah. also super watered down. Mm-hmm. So it was like the, the ratio was consistently off and it was not the same
0: as drinking just like a pot of coffee,
1: right? But you're or like
0: um, a, you're like a Turkish coffee drinker. You like yours like Thick sludge. Yeah. Yes. I
1: drink oil and nothing but. I am certain that my insides are just like coated with black gunk from the way that I make my coffee. um But you know, I'm not. I'm not like a huge coffee snob though. Like I like a good cup of coffee but also I like a good cup of diner coffee where mm. you go in and it, you know they get the beans from Cisco they
0: grind it up it's like a normal oh yeah. like yeah. not
1: super strong blend yeah that's fine.
0: The people walking around with the uh, old coffee crafts mm-hmm. I love that, I love, that. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. I love the journey that we just went on
0: <laughs> oh yeah we we, <laughs> we,
2: went I think all, you threw, we went all over the place. You really
0: threw us off with the robot, the robot. Well, <laughs> making
1: drinks I mean, now it's kind of like, do we even keep Nick? Or do we just get a robot? Oh.
2: I mean, you could. But... I think
1: you just lost
2: build yourself you know, a You job know what? How about this? How about robot. this? We'll do an Instagram poll. We'll leave it up to people. <laughs> up to
1: the people. We'll
2: We'll let the people decide. You know, if we if we invest in a Keurig bartender... Ew, not <laughs> a Keurig. No, 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 no. no, not
1: the Keurig. Those it are has about bartenders.
2: Like the... You're talking like probably like fifty to like $100,000. Yeah,
1: that's why you build
0: one, duh. Okay. Yeah, build us a robot.
2: Okay. someone. You've um... got
0: Legos? We're going to go to True. the local robotics class and <laughs> just Did... ask... <laughs> Man, those kids are the geniuses. I bet they would. They would. They
1: totally would. They have those robots at like, the competitions, the robotics mm-hmm. competitions. Those robots are crazy. They're so cool looking. Yeah, they like, are. They only pick up like boxes and stack them, but I'm pretty sure they could pick up a drink and that's hand ha- it to you. That's 90% of it right
2: there. Instead of just putting a box up, they just take a bottle and just turn it. Turn it. Yeah. That's all you got to do. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, their portion control is not very great. <laughs> You just get the whole bottle. And then they
2: try to (laughs) stack them on top of each other when they're Mm. done. It just doesn't work. It's a mess. Sounds like a dangerous game. Yeah, it
0: is. There's, like, have you seen the compilations (laughs) of the robots that have just, like, gone berserk? Like, there's a robot that apparently was supposed to, like, squeeze ketchup onto something, and it just, like, goes berserk, and the ketchup just goes, like, flies (laughs) everywhere. Like, I just imagine that. That's what I imagine. A big bottle, like, a fifth of, like, vodka (laughs) Spraying, spraying everywhere. around. <laughs> oh my goodness. Just
2: throwing bottles at everybody. But
1: straight up, it's like all the factories, they use robots for like welding and stuff. Oh, yeah. So if you're going to yeah. hand a robot a blowtorch, I think it's fine to hand them a bottle. Oh, totally. We'll figure it out.
0: <laughs> we'll
1: get there someday.
2: <laughs> get on that science. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Science already has it figured out. It's just us. We're bringing up yeah. the rear on that one. But, we'll, well, you know what? I think for now, let's just, we're going to keep you, Nick.
2: We'll keep you. Oh, I think we'll keep you. Thank you. Yeah.
1: Appreciate that. Okay. Okay. So this week, Taylor, you are kicking things off. So tell us about your movie.
0: All right. So I chose Cool Runnings. And it is a 1993 sports comedy film directed by John Turtletaub. I think I'm cr- saying that correctly. Uh, he also directed the 90s classic Three Ninjas, uh, National Treasure, and uh, more recently, The Meg. So, so it wasn't the Ninja Turtles? Because he's Turtletaub? Turtletaub, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> He's never gotten that before. Yeah. So the movie stars uh, Leon Robinson, and you might recognize him from Madonna's controversial Like Prayer Music video, Uh, Dougie Doug, Raul D. Lewis, and Malik Yoba, and of course John Candy. And it is loosely based on the true story of the very first Jamaica national bobsled team at the 1988 Winter Olympics in Calgary, Canada. And the more I read about it, it is very loosely based mm-hmm. on that story. That's what I picked up as well. Yeah, they definitely fictionalized a lot of the characters and added a lot of drama and conflict more than what is actually true, right? Well, so, it's a Disney, right? Yeah, it's Disney, yeah, yeah, and yeah, I mean, it's a movie, you need conflict, you need the rising above the odds, mm-hmm. and so they definitely up to the ante quite a lot in this movie. Mm-hmm. So, at the start of the movie, we see sprinter Doris Bannock practicing to qualify in the 100 meters for the 1988. Summer Olympics. I think this was before they did their four-year cycle. So the Winter and Summer Olympics used to be held in the same year. Mm-hmm. So it's his dream to go to the Olympics, just like his father. However, at the qualifiers, he trips when fellow sprinter Junior Bevel accidentally stumbles and falls, bringing Dereese and another sprinter, Yul Brenner, down with him. Dereese is devastated and tries to convince the president of the Jamaica Olympic Association, Barrington Coolidge, to let him redo the qualifying round. This, of course, is impossible, but while in Coolidge's office, he spots a photograph featuring his late father standing next to a fellow Olympic gold medal winner. Coolidge identifies the man as disgraced American bobsled medalist Irving Blitzer, who was disqualified for cheating in the 1972 Winter Olympics. And Dereese realizes he could participate in the 1988 Winter Olympics by forming a bobsled team and recruits his friend Sanka Coffee, a pushcart derby champion. After talking, a very reluctant Irving Blitzer, who he still lives on the island. Um, even though he's American, he stayed in Jamaica. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they convince him to coach them uh, and they recruit two other team members, the sprinters from before, Junior Bevel and Yule Brenner. And after many montages where they train and raise money, they ultimately make it to the Olympics now that they are finally at calgary for the winter olympics they have to adapt to the cold temperatures and also continue training and despite almost everyone thinking that they're a joke the jamaican bobsled team successfully qualifies only to be disqualified by the olympic committee as retribution for Blitzer's prior cheating scandal and Blitzer can his former coach, who's now a judge in the committee, and asks him not to punish the Jamaicans as they had nothing to do with his cheating scandal. And then the team is told that they have been reinstated to compete. Which they do. And, you know, this is truly one of my favorite movies. It's definitely a feel-good movie, an underdog story, and just a really great sports comedy. So what did you think, Riley?
1: Yeah, so I wanna jump back really quick to when they are disqualified. Okay. okay so you said you know, it's in part it's in part retribution for um, their coach cheating way back when because his own his coach from when he cheated was on the committee. Yeah. Right. So we we've got this committee member who holds a lot of power, he's one of the judges. Mm. He sees his old um, prodigy, I guess you would call him, one of his prodigies, comes back as a coach, mm. even though he's been kind of shamed for what he did, like adding weights to the front of the bobsled, etc., cetera, et cetera. But the committee disqualifies them because of their nationality in the film. That's what they kind of play it off as even though they're holding this grudge or whatever but they are being blatantly racist.
0: Yeah, they say like one of the they're in this like conference room and one of the members of this Olympic committee says like, "Well, we also have to think about like embarrassment for the uh for the the sport or mm-hmm. potential embarrassment." And then, you know, John Candy's character says, like, oh, I didn't realize four black men in a sled made you blush. Or blush.
1: blush. That part really stood Because I love Cool Runnings. Like, it is such a fun film. It had me laughing. Mm-hmm. Um, I like John Candy in it. It's not my favorite film of his.
0: No, it's not the best John Candy role, but it's, yeah. it's good. I like him.
1: <laughs> I think he does a good job. It, it's. I think part of it is, like, he has a very specific style of comedy that he does he does really good solo stuff. He does a great job of, of being like the jokester mm. in any anything he's in, but in this role he had to be um the adult in the room.
0: Yeah, to me it was almost more of a serious role for him. Yeah. Like he definitely had comedic uh things, whether mm-hmm. lines or physical comedy that he played into. But it was more of a serious role for him. Like, he's a coach and, you right. know, he's training these men who's never done bobsled or anything even similar to it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I mean, it's a good role for him.
1: The four guys, the leads that they have, do, do a really, really good job. And I was trying to look up and see if I had, if there were any other films that I had seen them in because they're all really good actors and I haven't. I haven't seen them in anything else that they've ever done. So that, that was a little bit of a disappointment for
0: me. They were kind of newcomers. I yeah. mean, um, Leon was an actor, but yeah, I can't say that I've seen him in anything else. Mm-mm. I mainly know him from the Madonna music video. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Dougie Doug was in other like Disney live action movies Disney that stuff. I remember watching in the 90s. And so, mm-hmm. um, but the other two. Um, so the actor that played Junior and Yule, I had mm-hmm. really never seen him seen them in anything else. Yeah, I hadn't either. And but they it, had great chemistry and
1: there are a couple things that stood out to me now, and I think it's all about that like perspective change, right? So um, with Disney, there came a point when they were kind of like, okay, you've got all these films that are. Pretty racist um, and out of date. What do we do with that? Do we take them all down? Do we just apologize? You know, what's the right move? And so they put warnings at the beginning
0: of them. They said, okay. Was there a warning at the beginning of this one? There was not. Uh, yeah, because I'm pretty sure I watched it. I mean, I think I have it on DVD, but I think mm-hmm. I did watch it on Disney Plus because I have seen that disclaimer, Mm -hmm. um, that they put in front of the movies that are old and outdated and problematic, which there's a lot of old movies out there that are super problematic, Mm -hmm. Um, but I didn't remember seeing one for this movie. There was
1: not, because I watched it on Disney Plus,
0: too, as well. So, yeah, contrary to the story in the movie, the Mm -hmm. Jamaican team was met with open arms by the international bobsledding teams, Mm -hmm. and... Um, one of the other teams even went so far as to lend the Jamaican team a backup sled so they could qualify. Um, and to your point, yeah, like obviously the Olympics is an international, uh, organization, the International Mm -hmm. Olympic Committee, the IOC, um, and the whole point of the Olympics is for these athletes to represent their countries, many of which have, all kinds of different people, people of color, you know, nationalities, religions, like that's the whole point of the Olympics. Mm-hmm. And but you know, there, you know, there's racism everywhere. Right. Same thing with FIFA, you know, um, which is also a global right uh, sports organization. And you know, even also especially the NFL. So it's like yeah, there's definitely these sports organizations that. Um, that have these long-standing traditions of being super um, exclusive and super racist. Yeah. I mean, there's like teams that are fine for, you know, their fans having these racial slurs, and even the players using racial slurs, and they're fine, but then you have a team, and this is true of FIFA, um, then you have a team that gets fined for drinking, like, Powerade instead of Gatorade because they're, like, sponsored, sponsored by, by Powerade or yeah. whatever, and that team got fined more than the than the mm-hmm. race, racial slur team, so, I mean, yeah, the racial slur team, <laughs> well, it was, like, a, I can't remember I what, what team it was, but, like, they have chance, they had chance that, yeah, Utilized racial slurs and they were told to both the players and the fans were told like you need to stop doing that and if you continue doing it the team will get fined Mm. which they were fined but then at the same time this other team where one of the players drank gatorade instead of powerade they also got fined but they got fined more you know what I mean, like, right?
1: Well, and we see that still today. I think in sports in general, well, there, sports in
0: g- like high performing. In sports in general, like there's all this stuff with the NFL right now that is just like not surprising at all. But
1: NFL, NBA. I mean, for years and years and years, we've known at FIFA. There are there are all these things that come out that you know surface. And it's like, how does this surprise anyone?
0: It's not surprising. It's It's Everybody knows. I mean, the World Cup this year is going to be in Qatar. And that's, like, a huge controversy. Like, people, Mm -hmm. like, the people working um, to build the stadiums in Qatar, like, there's already been, like, numerous deaths. Like, Mm -hmm. just, and then, you know, before that, it was in... The Amazon jungle, and yeah, it's just like, why? Like, why are we doing this? They like which they deforested, yeah. I mean, it's, in order
1: to build the
0: stadium, and they
1: got pushback. I mean, which it's they're not just like abandoned
0: they, now, they're not even being used. They're just all these, of the, like yeah. abandoned stadiums in the Amazon jungle. Nobody like, uses just, them anymore, it's so bad. And then, not mm-hmm. to even mention the gymnastics mm-hmm. of America or the American Gymnastics whatever Association and the um, sports physician that sexually assaulted all those gymnasts, and it's just like, yeah, it's...
1: Well, I remember, and this is totally, like, I was never an Olympian, clearly, um, (laughs) but... You were in the Olympics? You know, actually, fun fact, (laughs) uh, something you didn't know about me, but I did do competitive gymnastics for Mm, quite some time, and you know, it was really hard, I've had a lot of body... Um, issues as an adult and I think a lot of it stems from that because there were people calling me fat and telling me to suck it in. Coaches. Adults. There were adults saying suck it in. Why are you pooching out? Like you need to be fitter. As like I started when I was like seven and that just is it's consistent. They're mean and they're hard and it's like yeah you want to be good at what you're doing Mm -hmm. but they made people feel bad about their bodies at a very young age
0: and it sensed your growth it
1: well and developmentally there's a lot of like at the points when you start to look like a woman like when you have so much muscle mass it i mean not only does that strain on your body affect your period Mm -hmm. because a lot of those girls don't have them i mean because you are consistently working i mean there's a lot of strain Mm -hmm. that stress on your body will keep you from having a period for a very long time oh yeah and also it's like when you're there you're getting essentially bullied into looking the way that you need to look Mm. but then outside of that space then you're getting bullied because you're too muscular as a girl Or you don't have boobs because you're too fit, right? So, like, you aren't meeting anybody's standards then. No. So, and that's, I I think that's across the board for... Many, many different sports. Yeah, so, for men and
0: women, and a lot of different For men and women, and a lot of different um, sports.
1: And that brings me. There is another thing about this film that I want to give a warning. So sorry, I don't mean to just like tear it apart because I really like Cool Runnings. I feel like we're gonna.
0: Sorry, good. It's so it's
1: so good, and then we'll and then we'll move on. We can get to the rest of the fun facts, and we'll end on a high note. But I will warn that there is a significant amount of fat shaming as well in this because i would say um that john candy it's like i was thinking about this the other day it's like you can be a fat actor Mm -hmm. but you better be funny right it's true with everybody you can be fat but you have to be funny too Okay. If you're not funny, if you're just fat, it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. You're not an actor. You're not gonna get cast in anything. You have to be funny,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? John Candy is a very funny dude. yeah, he's a comedian. I mean, yeah, he's a comedian. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm there with you. But, but also, what I've noticed is your quote-unquote fat actors, Hollywood fat. Okay, people. Hollywood fat is a different kind of fat than normal people fat, all right? Yeah. And I'm using fat as a word, and I hope that doesn't sound offensive, but, like, that is something that I think when you are a heavier person in Hollywood, like, you are, like, that's, they'll call you, they're calling you fat. Like, these kids that get cast, there was, like, Diary of a Wimpy Kid, the best friend is, like, the fat best friend. That's what, there are interviews, where the interviewer is talking to this child about being the fat best friend. And he goes on to have, like, eating disorders and all of this shit. And it's because, yeah, because people put you into a box. And it's like, you, then if you lose a bunch of weight, mm-hmm. you could still be funny, but you're going to look like somebody that's just sort of, like, normal looking mm-hmm. and funny. Mm-hmm. So then we, we don't want you either. So then it really bothered me that John Candy gets this role that has funny moments, but you're right. He's more serious. He has more of a serious role and they make fun of him in the movie. They keep, you know, when he goes to the Olympics and he sees these people that he used to know, they're all like, you really let yourself go. It was effing harsh. It was really harsh. And it's like, why was that even a part of this? why did that matter why did that that didn't for me it didn't up the ante didn't change the story no it didn't motivate anything
0: yeah it doesn't progress the story at all it's just a throwaway. like oh like you really let yourself go right
1: because we think it's funny to make fat people feel bad Mm -hmm. (laughs) like that's what came from that and that really bothered me Mm -hmm. i was like i think that that is Really messed up, and another thing that we don't talk a lot about necessarily, especially with older films. Right, you go back and you watch, and and I get it. Like John John Candy is a comedic actor, and I'm not saying that like he's only funny because he's a bigger guy. Like not at all. Like I think he's a very funny man.
0: Yeah, and he's a a big talented actor. Yeah,
1: but he doesn't need like his body doesn't need to be put on display in that way, like under a critical lens Mm. for some kind of like motivating purpose. It doesn't do anything for the story. Yeah. So, and especially when you're there, like, I don't know. It just, it really threw me off.
0: Um, Mm I'm sorry to hear that. I mean, I love this movie. I, I mean, obviously with any movie that was made, even, even today, there's movies made today that are problematic. And you know, that goes down to the writers, the directors, the studio heads, the producers. And, you know, truth be told, a lot of those people are it's not a very diverse bunch. Nope. And, you know, some of these people have been making movies for a very long time and they don't really recognize that audiences have changed. And you know, times have changed and so the same tired jokes don't hit the same, they don't work. They're offensive, they're problematic. And, you know, I think there are filmmakers out there that are, you know, I guess, doing the work to, mm-hmm. you know, bring light to these issues. But movies made in 1993, which wasn't that long ago. It really <laughs> you know, wasn't. That's not a long time <laughs> so That wasn't a long time ago at all. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of movies that are guilty of, yeah, fat shaming or uh, glancing over racism. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's part of the plot, but we're not going to call it out for what it is. Right. It's implied, mm-hmm. certainly, that, you know, the, these Germans were a little bit racist. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and again, this is highly fictionalized. Yeah. Uh, I yeah, mean, yeah. I'm, I'm sure these athletes obviously would have experience racism because of course because that's Mm. like racism is real and you know everyone Mm. experiences it one way or the other but this movie i feel like needed an antagonist yes i agree and i feel like a lot of (laughs) i feel like a lot of movies or maybe like sports movies in particular it's like the antagonist is like the competition
1: yeah, but, it's, like, but the rich team but the, or the pretty
0: team. You know, it's, yeah, like, the people the team, that have
1: more.
0: Yeah, the haves and the have-nots. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the climax is where the team gets accepted at the end. Or, you know, they win and they prove everyone wrong. But, like, I feel like some movies have to have that character. Like, it can't be, an, like, a concept be the antagonist. It has to be, like, a person and in Cool Runnings, it was the East German fellow from the other team. You know what I mean? But, anyways. I don't know if you want to hear these fun facts.
1: I do want to hear the fun facts. Also, I want to <laughs> say that, like, personally, and you can disagree, listeners, Taylor, but personally, I think that there are a lot of films that have, you know, a lot of issues. Right, that we, clear, clearly, these are the issues that we're talking about. Um, and you can still enjoy them. Yeah. There is nothing wrong with enjoying a movie because it is good entertainment, and it's a good movie. Yeah. Like, it can have lots of good things about it. So, I don't want to be like, well, we're not allowed to like these movies. That's not true. They're well, great, I mean, they're awesome. They're funny and entertaining, and I enjoyed watching the whole thing.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, Disney making the decision, you know, whether Cool Runnings is considered one or not, but it's like, you know, Disney making the decision to still stream movies that they made in, you know, the 60s and 70s that are super problematic and not pull them is important Mm -hmm. because people still need to It's, like, be exposed to these things. It's, like, this is the world we live in. And, yeah. So, anyways. All right. Tell me your fun facts. Fun more... (laughs) (laughs) Fun facts. Um, Okay, so the production started in wintry Calgary, Alberta, Canada, and then moved to Ocho Rios in uh, Montego Bay, Jamaica. So I thought it was interesting that the film was actually... Filmed in the places it take it took place. So they filmed the Calgary scenes in Calgary. In Calgary. And they filmed mm. the Jamaican cool. scenes in Jamaica. Like they didn't I like that. They didn't go to Atlanta, Georgia and just try to like make it make it look, look like, like. Or yeah. they didn't film in like a studio and try to like fake it. Like they actually like filmed in the places where it was set, which I thought was unique. Mm-hmm. Um and John Candy, who I I truly do love. He's one of my favorite actors. Um, this was the final film to be released before he died oh. of a heart attack. And uh, Candy died five months later while filming Wagons East in 1994, which was released posthumously.
2: Oh, so this was one of,
0: um, yeah, this was one of his last films. Mm-hmm. And also, it could have been a very different movie because Denzel Washington turned down the role of Doris Bannock and Eddie Murphy turned down the role of Sanka Coffee, um, allegedly balking at the pay offered. And um, in fact, so Disney envisioned the original cast with Denzel Washington, Eddie Murphy, Wesley Snipes, and Marlon Wayans. And then, of course, John Candy. So it could have been a very different movie with those four actors instead of the ones that they had, which were, you know, more or less unknowns, which I think made the movie better. Mm-hmm. And then also, apparently, hip hop legend Tupac auditioned for a role in this movie. So, do you could- know what role? Nothing. I like don't to say a role? It, Yeah, that's it just really said he auditioned for a role, which <laughs> I'm sure they just had open auditions and maybe they would choose. Yeah. I don't know. But, anyways, it could have been a very different movie if it had any of those people like, yeah, Denzel or Eddie Murphy or <laughs> Wesley Snipes. That's wild. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, yeah, that's
1: really surprising. I Well, especially, I don't know why, but the Eddie Murphy as Sanka too because I love Sanka. Like his, the that role was just like perfect for who they chose, which I don't I don't remember the guy's name. I'm so sorry. Um but that was one of my... I mean Sanka is like my favorite character for sure. Mm-hmm. Um cuz he's cuz Sanka's not really an athlete. <laughs> he's just like I mean he's a he's a car the derby car racer. Right. But that's that's different. It's definitely different. He was the driver, you know. He's like steering he's not and he's a tiny guy like he, he's small and fit clearly but he's not he hasn't been training for the olympics like the other three guys that are on his team
0: yeah the other ones were like sprinters and and yeah um there's a scene where john candy is like yeah yeah and you're the break man. And he's like, I'm not the brake man, I'm the driver. And he's just like, no, you're the brake man. (laughs) Like, this is what it takes to be the other three positions. And clearly that is, you know. He's like, you have
1: to be on time. You have to, when we go out drinking, you're going to stay in and study. And you're going to do this and you're going to do that. It's a lot of responsibility. Like, you could potentially kill
0: everybody. And he's like,
1: yeah, you're right. I'm not going to be the driver.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, because, yeah, he's like, you you know, your teammates' lives are in your hands. Mm -hmm, Like, mm -hmm. is that something you want to take on? He's like, no. He's like, No, it's it's nice back here. Yeah, he's like, I think uh, Dury should be the driver. (laughs) Oh, my gosh, I love it. I love it so much. Okay, so one thing I did find out is um, there is no rules against um, putting weights in the front of the sled, so that's what, in this movie, the The coach, Irving Blitzer, um, that was his scandal was he got caught cheating and because he put weights in the front of the sled and they stripped him of his gold medals. So that was the impetus of a lot of what was going on with the movie. And that's why he was a disgraced former athlete and not welcome back at the Olympics because he was a cheater. So, actually, there's no rule against putting weights in front of the sled. In fact, it's a very common practice. So, apparently, with bobsleds, there's a minimum weight and a maximum weight. And that includes the weight of the actual sled, also with the people inside the sled. So, depending on the weight of the sled and the weight of the the people in the sled, you might have to put weights in your sled to accommodate or to um
1: like balance to go
0: over yeah to balance it because they're going like
1: that really four g's i
0: mean Mm -hmm. the the riders are experiencing like like because i watched a little bit of the bobsledding at the most recent olympics Mm -hmm. and the commentators talked about what these sledders are experiencing Mm -hmm. when they go down the track and they're experiencing g's uh, similar to what astronauts mm. experience when they get you know, up shot into up into yeah. space, like like a they,
1: simulator or something would be yeah like similar to what they're feeling. Right. right,
0: I think they said like three, four G's. Oh my god! So that's like gravitational force that they're feeling. Um, and so there's a minimum and a maximum weight for the sled to be. And so putting weights in your sled is not illegal. To make it go faster.
1: Okay, that's because really it's interesting. Like,
0: yeah, there's a lot of physics involved, mm-hmm. um, and so that was kind of a interesting thing I read. So yeah, um, huh?
1: Yeah, that's sure really interesting because it was such a over big plot the,
0: point. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a very key plot point in the <laughs> right. movie. I think Disney was just like, how to, you know, they're trying to simplify it for the how audience. Cheat. <laughs> yeah, they're trying to simplify it for the audience because you know. People don't know what bobsledding is or what the rules are, but um, I'm sure if, like, you weighted the sled in such a way that it exceeded the maximum weight, like, yeah, I guess not only would that be illegal in bobsledding, but it would also be really dangerous, and it wouldn't benefit you in any way, like, because of the way the physics are with the sled and the... um, And the people in it. And the people in it, yeah. right. So, um, so, yeah, just a little fun fact.
1: That's so cool. I love that. That's really interesting. I I feel like I use the interesting word over and over and over again. But it is because I don't know anything about bobsledding. Um, and since, it, yeah, it was such a key point, like John Candy's character, he added weights to the sled. That's why he was disqualified or, like, shamed and his medals were taken away or whatever. Yeah, or that was shunned. a very big
0: deal, yeah.
1: Right, so it's kind of cool to... I mean, not cool, but yeah. Interesting to know that Mm -hmm. that's not actually a thing. Um, Also kind of interesting, so the original guys um, who were part of the Jamaican bobsled team were Dudley Stokes, Chris Stokes, um, Michael White, and Devon or Devon Harris, I'm not sure. Um, And all four of them went to compete in the future olympics which i thought was super cool so like all of your guys even though they like didn't win a medal and they still haven't um so they jamaica has been competing ever since but they haven't medaled i Mm. guess is what it's called um yeah which is kind of a bummer but this year was the first year so they kind of like made history in a way they did four Three. They had three different bobsled events. So they have a women's team now. Mm-hmm. So the three events that they did this year was the four-man bobsled, the two-man bobsled, the
0: two-man men's bobsled the and the women's monobob which i think the monobob is new i think that's a new event yeah
1: i think that's new too i thought that that was the one that they had
0: added on
1: um so i'm sure for a lot of countries that's probably like this was a first um so i will jump into a my movie uh so today i'm diving into the 2007 hit comedy starring Will Ferrell and John Hedder, Blades of Glory. So unlike Cool Runnings, Blades of Glory does not build up to the Winter Olympics <laughs> technically. They call it World Winter Sports Winter Sport Games, okay? <laughs> but you know that that's basically like parallel to the olympics yeah. like that's what it's supposed to represent
0: right parodying the
1: olympics yeah for sure and even on the like little intro video where it's like like before the sports casters come on it shows curling and figure skating and all these other sport these winter sports so it's like yeah it's the olympics and even on imdb it calls Chaz michael michaels and jimmy mcelroy olympic male figure skaters so it's like yeah they're they're supposed to be olympians Um, and also fun fact, all of the outdoor shots of the stadium they use for the winter sports games are from the Montreal Olympic stadium that was built in 76 for the Olympics. So I thought that was cool that they went ahead and used those exteriors, even though the interior shots were all uh, shot in LA, um, at their sports complex. Mm. So Chaz Michael Michaels, played by Will Ferrell, is a, this like sex addict, hardcore, all-American figure skater who grew up on the wrong side of the tracks. His backstory is one of pain and abandonment, which totally contrasts his rival, Jimmy McElroy, who is played by John Heder, And despite being tragically orphaned uh, as a young boy, has lived a life of, privilege, albeit also a life of intensive training. He was adopted by billionaire Darren McElroy, who collected a bunch of athletically talented orphans with the plan of turning them into Olympians. So he, like, before this collected horses and did the same thing, and then he's like, I guess I'll move on to humans now. Um, And we start things off with a figure skating competition, which results in a Uh, tied first place between singles competitors Michaels and McElroy so they're unable to get over their rivalry they're standing up on like the medals boxes and the fist starts flying they get into a fight and end up being banned um we flash forward a couple of years we find Michaels is playing a wizard on ice for a children's show although he's like a heavy drinker, like totally an alcoholic, um, and McElroy is working at a skate shop fitting people for ice skates, uh, also not something that he's loving about his life. The two are convinced to get back into the game as they're kind of losers at the moment, and the only way to do so is through a loophole that McElroy's stalker, in fact, finds in the rulebook. I love the stalker, he pops up every once in a while. But he's like, it's kind of lame stalking a has-been. So, like, please start skating again. And that kicks off this whole idea to, like, get back together and get back into the game. Um, They can't perform in the singles division. That's what they were banned from. But they can compete in the doubles division. But they find this out only days before the sign-ups, leaving them with no other option but to work together as a double men's Figure skating team, which in the movie has never been heard of, so they have couples figure skatings or or doubles pairs but pairs. It's usually a man and a woman though. Yeah. that that's very clear like what the expectation is. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm betting most people listening have seen this film before because it was widely popular in the saga of Will Ferrell comedies. It follows Mm -hmm. Anchorman, which released in 2004, Talladega Nights, which released in 2006, and then Blades of Glory in 2007. Mm -hmm. So he had a whole bunch of films come out all in one big batch, kind of, because it felt like that to me, there was like this whole craze about Will Ferrell for a while. Yeah. Um, Which, I mean, he's very funny. (laughs) So rightly so. Um, and the box office too, like they, Blades of Glory performed super well. So it grossed $33 in its opening weekend, which beat out Disney's Meet the Robinsons to be the number one film. And it stayed in the number one slot for two weeks, um, as far as money goes, which was really interesting because it lost like 23% of its viewership that second week. And it still remained number one, which is kind of impressive, it did take a little longer to film the movie than anticipated because John Hedder broke his ankle while he was in a skating program, like prepping for the film, which I thought was just like very sweet and sad. <laughs> like he gets this role. He's like, yeah, I'm going to be a figure skater. I'm going to go and I'm going to learn how to do it because Will Farrell also had to take a bunch of lessons, mm-hmm. which I thought was super cool. It's like, how often do you get to see... Or be able to, like, learn a new skill or something just for a movie. I don't yeah. know. Um, but, yeah, yeah, then he broke his ankle and he couldn't do it for a while. I was like, oh, poor baby. Um, and on this is a movie that I, like, cry, laugh at every time I watch it because it's really, really silly and over at the top with the characters. But also the dialogue is written super, super well. Like, lots of great one-liners between both Chaz Michael Michaels and Jimmy McElroy, um, it's almost like you're watching a a blooper the entire time. An almost blooper, right? And interestingly enough, so, um, Will Ferrell, like, improvised most of his lines in the movie, and he does that in pretty much all of his films. He, like, will improvise a lot, and Mm -hmm. my mom, shout out Kathy Bean, um, Met John Hedder, she was at a Q and A with him at a con, and I think she said that she asked him what it was like working with Will Ferrell, mm. and he was like exactly what you would expect.
0: Yeah. He's
1: kind of crazy and fun, yeah, but crazy, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> which I thought was cool. I was like, okay, so he's very much like what his
0: character seems like. Yeah, I've heard that he tries really hard to get other people to like break. To laugh. Yeah, to laugh, yeah. I'm not surprised yeah. at all by
1: what he says, too. I wonder how many times they have to, like, cut immediately after a line that he says just because of that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um. So, despite, I I do like the writing, um, but I do have some feelings to share about it. And I, this is my first time sort of hearing about any of this okay but busy phillips who i love and adore she was um one of the main characters in my favorite tv show freaks and geeks Mm. and and that was long long ago but She was friends... In some articles it says they were dating at the time. I'm kind of like, I don't care if you were dating or not, but...
0: Yeah, it doesn't matter. It really
1: doesn't matter. So, Busy Phillips is friends with Craig Cox, who is one of the writers of the film. Okay? But Craig attributed the story to his brother and co-writer, Jeff Cox. Mm. Busy Phillips came up with the idea for Blades of Glory. Like, the story is that her and Craig were hanging out, they were watching the Winter Olympics, and she was like, wouldn't it be so funny if there was, like, a silly movie about men figure skaters, like, at the Olympics? And so she took part in the, in the screenwriting, too, so it wasn't just like, oh, that'd be a funny idea, and then he took it. She helped with, like, the screenplay mm-hmm. and in the story development. And then she got the shaft. He didn't attribute any of it to her. Of course not. Of course. So she, Busy Phillips wrote a memoir, This Will Only Hurt a Little, and that's when she writes about this experience with him. Um, But she also did an interview um, with Vulture, and I think probably other people as well, but she has this (laughs) great quote. She totally calls him out. Which I love. I mean, she was not she was not kind about this whatsoever. Which freaking good for yeah, where her. Yeah, what would you
0: be? Yeah,
1: right. Like what? What is? Yeah. So she has this quote that I'm gonna read because I think it it totally is on right on the mark. Um, Women's ideas and creativity get taken by men who are near them and used for their own personal gain. I was gaslit and made to feel crazy. I was really traumatized by it. I didn't trust myself for my inst- or my instincts or my own abilities. So not only were her ideals, like, taken, stolen, and passed off as someone else's, but then these people tried to tell her, oh, no, that's not true. Mm-hmm. We, you, didn't, you didn't come up. That was us. That yeah. We did that. Don't you remember? Right? Mm-hmm. It's that kind of narcissistic bullshit mm. that ends up, like, it just burrows into your mind. And in in my perspective, Busy Phillips is a very, like, strong, powerhouse kind of woman. She does a lot of good. She's got a great talk show. She's been very, she's very much an activist. Like, I, I think she's, a very well-rounded person
0: mm-hmm.
1: and she is like am i going insane did i make this up that i was a part of this thing right no she didn't make it up people are just terrible and it's like what is so dangerous about giving credit to those who it belongs to mm-hmm. right so now, she is accredited, if you look at the INDP page, she was uh, a, a, a story by. Story it's a by. story by Busy Phillips, yeah. Craig Cox, and Jeff Cox.
0: Yeah,
1: um, Their last name is Cox for a reason, just saying. But, to me, I mean, it, it's also, that happened after she was basically like "f you." Yeah, she's very vocal about it. And right. Some
0: of these things are handled in you know in court and outside of court. Yeah. Yeah. And in
1: some things. It sounds are
0: like they settled.
1: I think they by settled by
0: giving her story by. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I think that they were very apologetic yeah. in response, mm-hmm. but it's like that the, the apology came in writing. What they said to her was never. It's not recorded. There's no evidence of it, right? So she could just be making it up, right? So they rolled with that until she's like, okay, bitches, I'm writing a memoir, and I'm going to put this shit down. Yeah. And now it's in writing, and it's never going away. And so now she's attributed. But also I'm kind of like, big whoop. Yeah, that stuff happens all the time. Disgusting. Yeah. So... But, but, okay, so into facts that are more fun, less uh, of a downer. So John Hedder spent two years in Japan as a Mormon missionary. So a lot of people know that John Hedder is Mormon. Um, But he learned to speak Japanese fluently, and there's a part in the movie about an hour in where he's at a press conference, and he responds to a reporter's question that's posed in Japanese, like, like he responds fluently right and i didn't i didn't realize i was like oh yeah i probably learned that for the movie right but i remember being very impressed i was like oh that was very nice i didn't (laughs) i
0: didn't know he was a mormon
1: oh really yeah john header is a mormon he's got like i think he has four kids and his wife is mormon like, still, like, practicing, too. It's not, like, a we used to be kind of thing. Mm. Um, he's also got, like, very... There are certain things that he, like, will and will not do. So when he's being um, cast for a role, like, if there's, like, a sex scene, he's like, no, I'm not going to do that. Like, there are very specific things where he's kind of like, uh, oh, I don't... That's goes against my beliefs, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah. Um... So, and again, yeah, Will Ferrell's dialogue, like, 88% of it is improvised, and the writers said that as well, which I'm thinking, like, man, how annoying would it be to be a writer on one of these films, and this guy's just like, yeah, maybe I don't need a script, I'll just say what I want to say. Yeah, we'll just wing it. We'll just wing it. Um, Will Arnett and Amy Poehler, who play two siblings that are, like, rival skaters, Um, they were husband and wife at the time during this film's release, and I didn't know that. I never, I never knew that Amy Poehler was never married. Yeah, they used to be, yeah. (laughs) I had no idea, and, you know, I thought it was funny because, A, I forgot that Amy Poehler was in it somehow. Like, Mm. I just, I think it came out before I really knew who she was, and then, you know, Will Arnett looks literally the same now as he did then, which yeah. is like a little creepy. Like I think he has a like a painting in the closet somewhere yeah, that's hidden. A pact with the devil. It's something. 'Cause um, they're that's actually, actually the my same. favorite
0: part about this or one of my favorite. I feel like they make the movie. Like, really?
1: Yeah. Oh Well, I their
0: chemistry I They're hilarious.
1: <laughs> They're so funny. They're also... They're all such, like, character actors oh. in this film.
0: Yeah. Right? Yeah, for sure.
1: And they almost have... What's funny about them being married to me, too, is that they have a little bit of, like, a lover's something going on. I well, feel right. like... It's, like, they, forbidden like,
0: love because they're siblings.
1: Because they're siblings. Yeah. And it's, like, not... Nah, like, they don't play it up too much, but it's enough to where you're, like... Ugh.
0: Well, one of their <laughs> programs... They're, they skate as JFK and Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> Which is perfect. Which is hilarious.
1: Uh, it's so good. Um, and then there are lots of other people in the film. So, like, uh, the 1980 Olympian Lisa Marie Allen was the assistant skating choreographer on the movie. But she also was in the film. She's the blonde it's, like, she's, uh, credited as the sweater mom, but she gets licked on the face by Will Farrell during his Stockholm solo, like, the first part of the movie, and she's, like, one of the girls that are down front, and the, yeah. the commentators are, like, that's what they pay for these
0: tickets, or, like, what does he say? Oh. Um, He's, like, oh, that's why they... That's why those seats are so expensive. That's why those yeah. seats are so expensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like when they're, like, like, Chaz Michael Michaels is sex on ice. <laughs> He puts the bone in Zamboni. Yeah, he puts the bone in Zamboni. (laughs) It's amazing. The commentating puns were just amazing.
1: Oh, so on point. They're so good. Um, And then there were a bunch of other real-life skaters who made cameos in the movie. So, Sasha Cohen, Scott Hamilton, Peggy Fleming, Brian Boitano. I'm going to mess up these names for sure. Dorothy Hamill, Nancy Kerrigan, Kayoko Ina... Yuka Sato, Jamie, Saleh, and David Pelletier. So I recognized a lot of those people in um, the trial scene where Chaz Michael Michaels and uh, McElroy are like getting banned essentially. They're like, ah, you shamed us, da, 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 da. but then like all these skaters are on the panel, yeah, which was really really fun. I thought that was pretty cool,
0: yeah. And Scott Hamilton was the main cameo because he was like one of the commentators,
1: right? Yeah. Which I thought was, I love that they worked in a lot of people who had experience as skaters. I just like can't even imagine how fun that must have been to be a part of, yeah. Um, and so the movie was directed by Josh Gordon and Will Speck, and they also, that same duo, uh, directs the Geico Caveman commercials, which I thought was kind of funny, um, because those stick out to me as being very comedic, and also it just seems kind of random. Mm-hmm. Um, and then final fun fact, at the Sex Addicts Anonymous meeting, that Chaz Michael Michael goes to in the movie. There's a sex addict's prayer that's handed out on like a little prayer card to everyone. And the prayer says, God grant me the serenity to not have sex with my girlfriend or with my friend's girlfriend, the courage to go home tonight without having sex with my friend's girlfriend and the wisdom to walk away from my friend's smoking hot girlfriend. Which is so funny. <laughs> I just, like, I saw it in the movie. Because it's, like, very, very brief that you see. It. It's, just, like, a very quick little, like, glance over. And you're kind of like, wait, what? Wait a second. Yeah. Are you? What? what? And, and I love that, um, oh, my gosh. Uh, the leader. Oh, Luke Wilson. Luke Wilson. Yeah, that Luke Wilson is the, like, leader of this sex addicts meeting yeah and at the end of the meeting will ferrell's standing outside and luke wilson like drives his car up he's like everybody break it up and you suddenly see all these people like jumping out from bushes and trees and because they're all like making out on the lawn out front It's just like break it up people (laughs) go home oh it's wonderful um (laughs) But yeah, so like, what are some of your thoughts, Taylor? What did you like about it?
0: What didn't you like? Um, yeah, I think it's a great movie. I'd I'd seen it previously. um, But I kind of forgot how funny it was, because I hadn't watched it in a while. And um, now I think I'll probably keep it on rotation, at least watch it maybe every four years around the Winter Olympics. Um, Because I, I think it's hilarious. I think it's, written pretty well it hits all the notes for a will ferrell comedy um i was never a really big fan of um what's his name john heater mm-hmm. is that his name yeah yeah because I, I i didn't He's like header header really sure. heater yeah um i was never a big fan of napoleon dynamite and that's like where he got his big break mm-hmm. and so i kind of wrote him off as like a comedian that i was kind of like uh ah, like i didn't I didn't find him funny, so it's not the type of comedy that I
2: mm-hmm. really
0: enjoy. But in this, he, he's great. Um, and, I'm, I mean, he's good in other things, too. I just think I always associated him specifically with that, like, awkward Napoleon Dynamite type Which, It says a lot about crawl. the writing,
1: right? Like, it's just like the writing's very different. The character was very different. Oh, for sure, know?
0: for sure. But I love, because I'm a big fan of figure skating, and I had just watched pretty much all the figure skating from the Beijing Um, Olympics and it. in fact there was a pair figure skating team that skated to um, Aerosmith's that Aerosmith song. Yeah. Um, What? Oh I can't think of the title of the... It's from um It's... Was it
1: uh, The End? The Ending Song you mean?
0: Ah no, that was Flash Gordon. Yeah,
1: okay, sorry. I was thinking of Flash Gordon, but the, which one was the Aerosmith?
0: Was the Aerosmith song, um, that I Don't Want to Close My Eyes, I Don't, don't Want to fall, fall Asleep. Yeah, because I'll, miss you, I'll baby. miss you,
1: baby. Yeah, and is it from Apollo
0: 13? That, that song? That song is famously from... I think Apollo 13. Oh, okay. I don't Correct know. us if we're if I'm wrong, but yeah. um, but that Aerosmith song. Yes. You know the song I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that song, um, actually was used in a pair of figure skating program from this like 2022 Olympics. And so when I watched Blades of Glory, I'm like, that's hilarious because there was a pair of figure skating duo that skated to that song, but then of course with this one, it's Will Ferrell and John Heater and they kind of like thrust together like because and they're kind of like it's a little bit like interpretive dance and a little bit of like actual ice skating and it's just it's so great um and also just the puns like the commentating which i find this a lot with um the movie dodgeball like the commentators just kind of make it for me because it's because it's so accurate. It's funny because it's true. Mm-hmm. And so with this movie, there were commentators and they would make so many puns. Mm-hmm. And that's and I when I watched the most recent Olympics, there were so many puns that were made and I'm like that's hilarious. I can't believe that that these commentators like they are living their best lives just making these puns. And in this movie, there was one pun in particular where they were talking about um johnny mcelroy's performance and they're like well he's known for his personal hygiene but right now he reeks of gold yes (laughs) oh it's so good and it's it is it's so good
1: or like even so like right at the end of his first performance (laughs) mcelroy pulls a live dove out of his suit and releases it and they're like And remember, people, he had that dove in his suit the whole
0: time. Yeah. (laughs) That's so funny. Well, in that particular, so that was, like, a direct spoof off of uh, Johnny Weir's um, performance at the Torino Olympics in 2006, where he actually uh, was, like, a bird swan type. Like, his outfit Mm -hmm. was... Supposed to be like a swan, yeah. And one of his arms, sleeves, was supposed to look like the head of a swan, right? And so the Johnny McElroy performance at the beginning, he was a peacock, mm-hmm. and it was and it was a direct parody. So it's of it's art imitation of the Jimmy wives. McElroy of the okay. Well yeah. yeah, they were they were spoofing Johnny Weir specifically. And Johnny, oh I didn't realize yeah, that. And, that is so cool. Yeah, watch I am pretty sure it was the two thousand six Torino Winter Olympics. Um and so it was a direct spoof off of Johnny Weir, who is a commentator now on NBC for figure skating. So Birdman moving up in the world. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's great. I love it. I think it's hilarious. I love how they up the ante with like a crazy move that's never been done before and, you know, the the reason why it's failed before was cuz, you know, they didn't have the aerodynamics right, but with two men, it's possible. And mm-hmm. like it's just this like daring maneuver, you know, deathly type thing that they're doing with their blades and it's it's just so absurd it, absurd and
1: over at the top and i guess i just thought of this but you know with um john hatter breaking his ankle bef- like before the filming really started like and this isn't giving anything away but um will Ferrell's character chad michael michael chaz michael michael michael's blah, 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 he like breaks his ankle later in the film, or, like, something sprains oh, he it.
0: Does he does, He says end. he breaks it. Yeah. yeah, he's like, I think I broke my ankle.
1: Yeah. And I never realized that that
0: parallel is kind of funny. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, and Will Ferrell is just hilarious. Like, there's, like, they're because obviously they're rivals and they're forced to work together. Um, so that common trope. Mm-hmm. And, um, at the beginning, they're competing against each other, so they're antagonizing each other. And... You know, John or yeah, Johnny McElroy is like like well, I beat you like back in Oslo, and Will Ferrell's like, I was on Quayle. It's like I don't even remember Oslo. <laughs> 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 and so it's just yeah, it's just really funny. If you haven't watched it, definitely watch it. It's a great laugh. It's it's what you would expect from a Will Ferrell comedy, mm-hmm. or the people who wrote the caveman Geico commercials apparently. Apparently. Um,
1: also, Cool Runnings. I mean, I think both of these were just... It was really... I watched them back-to-back.
0: Back. I think you did, too. I um, did. I watched... I did a double feature. It was, it was great. It was perfection. It was an
1: awesome double feature. Make so a night you, of it. Right. If you have the time, totally knock both out in one evening. It was a lot of fun. They're both really funny and, like, different enough. You know, mm-hmm. the plot lines are easy to follow but like still really entertaining the the whole way
0: through they're both comedies but one's more of like an absurd comedy and one's like a classic sports comedy
1: right yeah and one's based on a true story which i think is always really cool because then you can like i don't know if you're interested in it then you can learn more about the actual story of what happened and how and where people are still at so that's kind of cool but thanks so much for listening, everybody. Um, we are
0: on Facebook. No, <laughs> we are on Instagram. <laughs> Instagram,
1: um, that's the one. I was and we thinking.
0: are on Twitter, but not active yet. But we do have a Twitter handle. Um, but mainly, we're on Instagram. We post our, you know, when we post episodes, we post our cocktail recipes. And sometimes we'll do polls, so Mm -hmm. I guess we'll do a poll on Nick versus robots um, Mm -hmm. soon. Who's the better bartender? Yeah, you'll decide.
1: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What's our What's our Twitter handle, Taylor?
0: Happy Hour Film Club, but Hour is spelled H R because there was there's a character limit. Limit. Okay. So it's Happy H R so the abbreviation for our film club.
1: Okay, so for all the, the Twitter folks out there, yeah, somebody else is gonna have to handle that. I tried Twitter for like a, a week and got really stressed out,
0: so. Uh, we're not active on Twitter yet, but yeah, but it's something that we're, we're gonna start up soon, so.
1: We'll get around to it. Yeah. And we've got some exciting stuff coming up too, so we're really excited. We've got lots of great themes and topics, movies picked out, uh, some of which have come from you listeners so thank you so much for telling us what you're interested in what you want to hear more of um and keep doing that we love knowing what you want to hear more about your favorite films um even things that just popped into your mind like Cocktail wise based on some of the drinks we've been having Um, We've gotten some great suggestions for things. We should try so please keep reaching out and uh, we'll see you next time
0: Bye